We're going to be looking at a few passages from Exodus chapter 25 all the way to Exodus chapter 40. We're going to be looking at this as a progressive story on the building of the tabernacle. I'll explain why here in just a minute. But uh, we're going to be looking at Exodus 25, portion of Exodus 35, 36, and then Exodus 40. And so, so folks, listen. This is God's word. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you, re- you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twisted linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat's skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst." Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So so they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches, and earrings, and signet rings, and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord and everyone who was possessed or everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution and everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the, in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be, to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. And Moses called Bezalel and Oholiab, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. In the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. And Moses erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is God's word. We've been talking about advancing the vision today. The reason advancing the vision was started, as Dick said, I'm going to rephrase just, there was one purpose in mind. 
We wanted more people to experience God more deeply. That's the rationale behind advancing the vision, that more people could experience God more deeply. And this is why Harbor exists. You've heard it already. It's to fill the region of San Diego and Tijuana with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of God, so that people and the city would be transformed spiritually, socially, and culturally. God has entered into human history, and the good news is that we can experience him. Think about that, experiencing God. The idea of knowing God and, and being known by God. Right? I had a conversation with a neighbor not too long ago. We were talking about science, and I just made a comment that science is actually one of the ways that I learn more about God, and I've actually come to know God better because of science. And he looked at me with kind of a half-quizzed, half-skeptical sort of look. He kind of just said, huh, now that would be something. I've never known anybody who said that they actually know God. So we kept talking. He'd never known anyone who said that they had known God. In my experience, knowing God, having a relationship with him, experiencing his presence in my life, it's been the most comforting, peace-giving, assuring, and affirming experience that I could possibly know. To know God, to be known by God, has brought me through bad times. It has helped me make sense of what often, too often, seems like a life that has no sense. Right? It's brought order to the chaos in my mind. It has brought an answer to the splinter in my mind, like Mike talked about last week in his sermon. Um, It's also given me the courage to do what I know is right, even when I feel alone. These are ways that experiencing God has powerfully impacted who I am. And the idea that we can know God to experience him, that's good news. That is really, really good news. Do you want to know him? Do you want to experience him more deeply? I mean, I'm talking both Christians and non. Whether you're a Christian or not, if you have a sense that you would love to know God, That's what our passage is going to deal with today. In a sense, that's what advancing the vision has been all about. In our passage, in these these sections of Exodus, God is telling us the story of how the tabernacle was constructed. Okay, the tabernacle was the dwelling place of God. It's kind of God's house, but it was also the place of worship, where God's people went to worship him during this time in the Old Testament. And as we see this story unfold, we're going to understand how we can experience God more deeply in our lives. Okay, and here's the main point I want you to get. Okay, topic, this, if, you, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. When you give yourself to God, okay, when you give yourself to God, his presence will grow in your life and in the lives of the people around you. Okay, when you give yourself to God, his presence will grow in your life and in the lives of the people around you. And so whether you personally contributed to advancing the vision or whether this is the first time you've ever heard of advancing the vision, the good news is that you're going to have an opportunity to experience God today in a deeper and more profound way. That's what we're going to see. And so we're going to see this and hopefully experience this in three truths today. So if you want to take notes, here come the points. These are a little bit long, so if you don't jot them down, don't worry, I'll come back to them when we come 
in the sermon. We're going to see first that God wants you to experience his presence. Second, your participation grows your experience of God. And then third, when you give yourself to God, his presence comes to you and to those around you. Okay, those are our three points. Let's look first at the reality that God wants you to experience his presence. This is the Exodus 25 passage. In this place, God calls for the contribution. The main point, the key really to these eight verses is verse 8. Look at verse 8. It says, as they make this contribution, God at the end says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. That's the key there. This is God declaring to his people that he wants to be with them. That I may dwell in their midst. God wants to be in your life. God has a desire to be in your life for you to experience his presence. Now, back then, this was unprecedented in Israel's history. This was unheard of that God would dwell. God had visited people, you know, in the book of Genesis, in the book of Exodus, he comes down and visits in a way, but now he's saying, I want to live in the midst of my people. Unprecedented. In a world where the gods were a mystery, in a world where the gods were capricious, you really couldn't understand. There was no pattern, rhyme or reason to what they did. They were ununderstandable. Right? In that word, in that world, God wants to draw near. And what we see here is that th- this is love. This is love. This is an expression of the love of God. And this is always how it starts. It starts with God's love because God wants to be with them. God is the one who's initiating this. Right? God is the one who says, Moses, go tell the people, I want to live with them. Right? Another word, a theological term that you find all over the Bible is the word grace. You know, we start our services as we sing, but then we confess our sins so that we can receive God's grace. That's how it begins. A relationship with God begins with him saying, I love you and I want to know you. That's what we see here. And this is good news because in one sense, this is, this is the end of the book of Exodus. Chapter 40 is where the book ends. What we've read here at the end, that's the last verse of the book of Exodus. And when you think about what the Exodus was, it was the salvation of God's people. They were enslaved in Egypt. They were being oppressed. They were, they were slaves to the Egyptians. And God brought them out. God delivered them. He rescued them and he set them free. He brought them out of Egypt and made them his own people. And what we see here, this is sort of the end of the story. Just a few chapters after this amazing, miraculous exodus from Egypt, we find that when God saves somebody, he doesn't stop there. God saves someone so that he can have a relationship with them. He loves us. So he saves us so that he can have a relationship with with us. And that honestly, that's what drove, that was uh, that's the heart behind advancing the vision. Jesus has come and has showered us with the love of God, and that changes everything. 
The gospel changes people because it helps them experience the love of God. And it shows just how much God loves the world. It shows how much. And, and so with us, for Advancing the Vision, we wanted to plant more churches and begin more programs to help more people understand this. We wanted more people to experience this love and grace of God. We wanted people to realize that God established a tabernacle in the Old Testament. But then when Jesus came, Jesus was the tabernacle. John 1.14 said that the word, that God became flesh and he tabernacled among us. He was the presence of God in our midst. He actually literally lived in flesh and bones among us to show us how much he loves us. And we learned last week from Mike's sermon that he doesn't even stop there. It's, it's not even enough that Jesus came, lived and died for us, but God actually wants to come and dwell in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like the whole Bible is telling the story of once people have run from God, God pursues them. He's chasing after them. He's seeking them. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And that doesn't stop until God comes and dwells in your heart, in your midst, with your presence. He wants you to experience him. And that encourages me because if you want to know God more deeply, he's already beat you to the punch, right? He's, he's waiting. He is not just waiting, but he's seeking you. He wants that too. And so you can be encouraged. If you're worried about going deeper with God, don't be afraid. God loves you, affirms you, and he wants to be with you. That's good news. That is good news. And so God wants you to experience his presence. That's our first point. Our second point is that your participation grows your experience of God. Okay? When you participate, your experience of God's presence grows. Okay? How do I experience God's presence? He wants to know me. Well, how does that work? Well, you need to participate. Okay? We see that in the passages from Exodus 35 and 36. God wanted them to experience his presence. And so what does he do? It's interesting. He invites the people to participate in the construction of the tabernacle. Okay, so this is kind of curious. Because, you know, God wanted a house. He wanted a place to live. He wanted to be amongst his people. He could have done it all himself. Right? He didn't need to, make, he didn't need to have the people make anything for him. He could have just come and did it. He spoke the worlds into being. He could probably make something a lot better than this thing that they made, this tabernacle. But he doesn't. He actually gives them, he, he invites them to participate in the construction of the tabernacle. Why? It's because of love. That's right. It's because it's love. Do you have anybody in your life that just gives you stuff like all the time. Maybe it's a parent, you know, or um, I, I know a lot of times parents, you know, they, they, they'll do that for kids. They just give stuff. And after a while, it's hard to continue to appreciate, right? It's hard to continue. You, you begin to take things for granted. You begin to, ex- you have this sort of expectation that you now deserve these things. When it's, when the giving stops, you kind of wonder and you get a little frustrated, right? Um, there's nothing wrong with being generous. But sometimes 
giving something for free sometimes. And there's ways, there's, well, just hear me out. Um, (laughs) I'm arguing with myself in here going, you really want to say it like this? Um, There are times when, when something is absolutely free and you don't do anything for it, there are times when we can end up abusing that kind of generosity. Um, And I think, in a sense, that what God is doing here is he is inviting people into a relationship with him. Okay? He wants them to participate because, in a sense, God doesn't force himself on people. He says, I want to dwell in your midst. I'm going to invite you to take a contribution and build the tabernacle. I think what he is doing is he is inviting them to participate so that they can invest themselves into the construction of God's house. In my experience, participation creates relationships. Participation creates relationships. We have learned this abundantly as we have had folks on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale be a part of our church family. We have amazing people who are part of our church family who don't have homes, who live on the streets. What we have learned is that when we invite them to participate in the life of the church, rather than simply just handing them stuff and giving them things, when we give things away, those thi- we, we end up without a relationship. But when we invite participation, we have people who are part of our family that make significant contributions to our church. And it's because there's participation, because participation creates relationships. And this is how God works. God says, look, I want you to experience my presence. I want to dwell in your midst, and so I'd like you to contribute. That's what he's saying here in this passage. It's like God, it's like God is saying, this is going to help you decide if you really want me or not. It's a good question for us. Do you really want a relationship with God or not? If you do, are you willing to participate in a relationship? Or do you just sort of come on Sundays um, or even not come on Sundays, just expect God to rain down his blessings on you? There's a measure of participation. It's interesting. Verse 29 of Exodus 35 says that it was a free will offering. The Lord commanded Moses to be brought, uh, to be done uh, all that the Lord... uh, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. And it's interesting. So it was, a vo- it was volunteer. It was a free will offering that they made. Now, if you look at chapter 25, verse 4, there was a command. I'm sorry. 35, verse 4. This is the thing that the Lord has commanded, right? So there's a command, but the command was for those who were willing. Okay? The command was for those who are willing, for those whose hearts stirred with them, who wanted to see this come about. And what's amazing is that the people responded. The people responded in amazing, amazing ways. Lots of different kinds of gifts. There's this huge variety of gifts. Lots of different sorts of things were given. Some were more costly. If you look at chapter 35, verse 22, there's gold that was given. Verse 24, you have silver and bronze. You see that the leaders... Uh, verse 27, brought precious stones. Um, and then there were some less costly gifts. Verse 25, there was yarn that was, that was given. There was goat's hair. 
lots of different things. Some people gave wood. Some people gave lots of different things for different parts of the tabernacle. You know, and it was like this community coming together and everybody giving what they had. And because of all that, they were able to do it. And so they gave lots of gifts. They did it with joy. This crazy refrain throughout all these verses. You know, verse 23, I'm just going to give you a few of them. Verse 23, it said, um, it says, oh boy, I lost it. Thank you. Oh, verse 22. All who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets. Verse 24. All, everyone who, who can make a contribution. Um, boy, man. I, thank you. 26. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill brought goat's hair. Right? Um, man, there's like three or four other places here. I can't find it. I'm, I'm looking here and I'm not seeing it. Thank you. 20 and 29. So this is why we got to you got to circle these things, right? Um, their hearts moved them. The Spirit stirred them, right? We see these different things. Like These are people that were willing. They, they did it with joy. They wanted to experience God. They wanted to participate here. Um, verse 24, actually, at the end says, And everyone, no, no, no I'm sorry, at the, at the beginning of verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution brought it. You know, this sense that if you could, you did. There was full participation. And when I, when I read that, when I, when I was thinking through this, that was advancing the vision. That's exactly what happened during advancing the vision. Some people gave big sums. Some people gave smaller sums. Some gave out of what was left over from their normal money. Other people actually cut their budgets down so that they would have money to be able to give. And then some people even gave in faith, not knowing where the money was going to come from. And they got to experience God in in a profound way. They got the joy of seeing their faith in God grow as God provided them with the funds to fulfill their pledges. Just one person said this, The discipline of giving gave me great satisfaction. And watching the church grow has been amazing. God continues to amaze me. His timing is incredible. And now I have funds to redirect to downtown. I mean, that's what happens as we participate with the work of God. As you participate with the work, uh, with the work of God, you experience him more deeply. And so the people responded with gifts. The people also responded with service. In our passage, lots of varieties of service. Some spun yarn and linen and goat's hair. Then we had all these craftsmen who came in chapter 36, verse 2. Bezalel, Aholiab, and every craftsman. Um, they, they came and made all the furniture. Um, and this is cool because they came. They didn't just give their goods, but some people gave their time and their talents to the project. So construction workers, craftsmen, um, seamstresses, right? They came. Their skill was inspired by God. Yeah, look at that. Verse, chapter 36, verse 2. Every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill. Boy, that's a great encouragement for faith and work. Did you ever think about that? That the skill that you had to do your work was given to you by God? This is why we funded the faith and work ministry so more of us can have that sort of awakening that God cares about our work. Our work matters to him, and he matters to our work. And so we see it here 
And we also saw it with advancing the vision. Because again, lots of people gave money, but there were many others who gave their time and their talent. We talked about Scott Laura Brewster, who their experience of the heart of God for mercy led them to give significant time and energy and effort um, in, 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 the, in the helping build our mercy ministry. Susan Muncy put her skill, her whole trade, she was a, she's a counselor uh, by trade, works for Kaiser, used to work for Kaiser, and then began to use that skill as part of her ability to shepherd the women who are in Generate Hope and to be there for them. You know, Denise Yon and Michelle Corbett have given their time and their energy to lead us in the faith and work ministry. Um, Laney and I and the Mini Coopers, we all came down uh, to give our lives to Harbor, to give our lives to see this vision advance. You know, and there were countless other people who participated in big and small ways, people who were part of, of the bridge team, people who were part of helping people know. Um, you can see more details about this in the white paper if you if you chase that down in the lobby. The point here, though, is that when God wants to accomplish something, he invites us to participate. And when we do, when we participate in what God is doing, our faith grows and we experience him in deeper and more profound ways. I just want to say that every one of you who contributed in terms of money or time, prayer, uh, or, or just in any way contribute to advancing the vision, everything that was done is, you get credit for that. I mean, not that we're all looking for credit, but that you, your sacrifice is part of what made it happen. You have to know that. And, you know, it's kind of like what Dick said, we wanted to make sure that we weren't putting this money into a building because we wanted to invest it in people, in ministries that are going to change lives. And so it's a little bit harder sometimes to see that. That's why I want to make it really clear. You know, back then, I'm sure there were families who, when they went to the tabernacle, you know, mom and dad grabbed their kid and said, hey, you know what? That's our goat skin. That's our goat skin. Or, you know what, mama, she actually spun the yarn that's hanging, that, that part of the curtain. We know mama did that. That's huge. Man, God lives there, and I helped build his house. What I just want to say is that your sacrifices, your contributions are why we were able to do everything, why God was able to do what God did. He used your sacrifices, your gifts, your time, your energy, your love, your heart, your prayers to bring all these things about. When we participate, we experience God more deeply. As you think about your contribution there. Man, allow God. I mean, you can experience God more deeply as you connect what you gave to what God did. So our second point, again, just summary, is that your participation grows your experience of God's presence. Our last point is when you give yourself to God, his presence comes to you and to those around you. Okay, when you give yourself to God, his presence comes to you and to those around you. This is the, these are the verses from Exodus chapter 40. Because when all was gathered, the work was then accomplished. 
in the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar, set up the screen of the gate of the court, and Moses finished the work. Then God came down and filled the tabernacle. And God came down. God's presence then came to the people. God came down from heaven and lived on earth in a way that he never, ever had before. These folks gave themselves to God. They sacrificed time, energy, financially, and God's presence came to earth. (laughs) That's amazing. And that's what God does. He takes sort of the ordinary things that we do. He takes our ordinary gifts and he does something extraordinary. He changes the world with the things that we offer him. It began with God's desire to dwell in the midst of his people. And here's where it ends. God's people respond to his call. They answer and God's presence comes to earth. And the tabernacle itself, I mean, here's what's amazing. We don't have time to get into the details of what the tabernacle was like. But the tabernacle itself, just the fact that it was there, it proclaimed the gospel. It proclaimed the gospel, right? The good news that guess what? God now lives on earth. God actually wants to be with his people. He wants to be with you. He wants his presence to dwell in your life. That's a message that just knowing the tabernacle is there preaches. Forgiveness is the message of the tabernacle, right? As you enter into the tabernacle, the first thing that you see, the first first thing you see is an altar where sacrifices are made for sins. And then right behind it, there's a big bronze, um, it's called the bronze sea, It's a giant bronze tub that's filled with water. And the idea is that this water came from heaven. I mean, it didn't really, but that's symbolically it came from heaven. And the idea was that when someone would enter into worship, they would confess their sins and make a sacrifice. And then they would be cleansed by the water. This is why we confess our sins every Sunday morning. It's because we, we continue to experience this good news. But the tabernacle proclaimed that forgiveness is free and it is readily available. If you need forgiveness, you can come to God. And these things teach us about Jesus, who was the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. They show us in ways that God's presence is now in our midst because Jesus was even better than the tabernacle. And on the cross, he took the the punishment that we deserved, and his blood cleanses us from our sins. That message of presence and forgiveness continues to be shouted out by the gospel. And let me say that in the same way the tabernacle brought God's presence to earth, so did advancing the vision. That is the outcome of advancing the vision because of your gifts, because of your sacrifices, because of your energy and efforts and contributions. 
there are now people, more people who are experiencing God more deeply today. God's presence is in four new locations that it wasn't three years ago. Four new harbor sites. We have a fifth one that's coming on. It's going to be our 10th site this year. These are places where, these are churches where Christ is now being proclaimed, where God's presence is dwelling in the midst of communities in ways that he wasn't before. Do you realize that? These sites that have been started. There are at least 160 people, at least. These are only folks that I know about. 160 folks who are now walking with Jesus who weren't as of three years ago at the beginning of this program. Because of your sacrifices, God's presence has come to earth and more people are experiencing God more deeply. God's presence is broader than it was before. You think about generate hope. God is now, his presence is now dwelling in the midst of the sex trafficking industry in a way that it wasn't before. Faith and work ministry is bringing the presence of God into the workplaces. Your gifts in funding the church planning center We've had two, we're about to have our third multi-site pastors conference where other churches are coming and asking us, how do you do this multi-site thing? We think it sounds great. We see a lot of the advantages. Will you teach us how to do it? Over 300 pastors and church leaders have been trained, have been encouraged, not just with our model, but with the gospel that infuses and permeates the model. We've begun a seminary. We now have the ability to train people for pastoral ministry, for ministry leadership because of your gifts. God's presence is dwelling deeper in some ways, broader in others. I mean, the list keeps growing. The list keeps growing because so much of what has been started with Advancing the Vision is continuing on. Man, and that just brings joy. Because being a part of Harbor, wanting to see our church continue to grow and to flourish, is promoting and advancing the vision. This is why, for downtown and uptown, we're focusing on this resolution to love our neighbors. This is a very tangible way that we want to keep advancing the vision. We want to see more and more people come to know Jesus. But we know that's not going to happen unless we experience him, unless we experience his presence. And so between now and Easter, we want you to be praying for God to become more real in your life. We want you to participate with God in a relationship with him so that you can experience so his presence in your life will grow. If you commit to doing that, God is going to change you in amazing, fun, exciting ways. You're going to see yourself grow and develop and you're going to have something that you can share with others. Because what folks who don't know Jesus want to know is, does it make a difference in your life and will it make a difference in mine? If you can't answer those questions, I'm not sure that what you have to say is good news. Right? And so we want to experience Jesus. 
We want to do it together so we can encourage each other, right? So that we can then share and bring folks in to hear the good news, to experience what we're experiencing. And so, yeah, I I want to encourage you all this week to go to Jesus and say to him, Jesus, I'm ready to participate. Will you help me experience you more deeply? We're providing resources. We're providing uh, through email this week. Again, if you're not on the list, give us your email. We'll we'll put you on the list. We're sending out materials that will help you go deeper with Jesus. Make it really practical for you so that you can experience and go deeper with him, so that you can see yourself growing, so that you have something that you can share with others. I mean, I can tell you even, man, even this week, the presence of Jesus came over me in such a powerful way. I, he is truly amazing. Jesus, he, he reigns from heaven. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. We have sung praises to him. And yet, he cares about each and every one of you so much. I was praying with some friends and really struggling with a burden that was on my heart. And Jesus came to me, you know, not, not physically, but in my mind's eye, I could see Jesus coming. And he came to me, and he just, he looked at me with a look on his face that proved to me that he knew exactly what I was feeling. He knew exactly how I felt. And he loved me, and he was with me. And I can tell you that how I felt at the beginning of my time praying, I felt like the ground under me was shaking. I felt like I was falling. And as I prayed and and really asked Jesus to come near, I was confessing the sins in my own heart. I was confessing areas where I thought I have probably contributed to the chaos that I was feeling. As Jesus came to me, And just, I felt like he just looked at me with this look on his face. I felt the ground underneath me solidify. I felt peace. I felt comfort. And I felt assurance that he was with me. And what was amazing was, that was enough. That was enough. I didn't need anything else. His presence his approval, his love was all that I needed. That's what he offers. That's what he offers to all of you, whether you're a Christian or not. That is what he offers if you will seek him. If you will seek him. Let's do that together now. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that though you are high and lofty, though you live in heaven and are seated at the right hand of God, yet you care so deeply and so personally about us. Thank you for the way that you cared for me this week, for drawing near to me and reminding me that you understand. Jesus, would you do that today now for everyone here as they think about the turmoil as they think about the struggles, as they think about the difficulties and the challenges that they face. Jesus, for me, I just need you to know that you are with me. You in your strength, 
you and your power, you and your love. Would you reveal yourself like that to us today? You say in your word, or as Psalmist says in Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My body, my heart, they may fail, but you are the strength of my life. You are all that I need forever. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want you to join me here at the Lord's table. I want to invite you to come and to experience the presence of God more deeply. If you need more of him, if you want to go deeper with him, come. This is the picture that God has given us of his son. And when we see it, what we see, it's broken food. It's broken because Jesus gave his life for you. And it's food because God knows that if you trust in Christ, he will nourish your soul. And so if you need him, come. The only thing that would keep you from coming is if you're not a Christian yet, though you can become one, you confess your sins and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you no matter where you lead. Then come. Or if there's sin in your life that you're not willing to confess. Okay, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. This is a table for broken people. People who need Jesus, you come. But if you're not willing to agree with Jesus about the things in your life, then to come would be really to kind of say something a little bit mixed up. Jesus, you're in me, but I'm not going to agree with you. And so I would just say confess. Confess your sins and come. Let's pray and ask God to bless this meal to us. And while I do that, if those are going to help me serve, would come forward. Lord God, take this bread and this juice and help us commune with Jesus. Help us to experience you more deeply. Help us to realize that your death and your resurrection were for us. They calm our anxious hearts. They give us your peace, and they fill us with your strength. Fill each one of us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.